Merry Christmas. This final Sunday message is one for the Christmas celebration of Jesus' birth. And even though it seems a little odd, at least to myself, it has seemed so since Christmas was on a Tuesday, this is the Christmas Sunday celebration. And so with that, we actually jumped forward a few years, 12 to be precise, and looked at the time when Jesus was 12 years old and he stayed at the temple. And we looked at the difference between seeing and perceiving because ultimately Christ, when he came and lived, he offered a revelation of hope for us. But in order to see that revelation, we had to move beyond just seeing and begin to perceive. I hope you enjoy. changed out okay awesome we changed out batteries so third time's a charm right uh <laughs> well for the last week i welcome you into our our home after this i'll be kicking you all out and changing the locks <laughs> for those of you who have uh, yet to come uh we've been pretending that all this month you've been coming into our house, and this is the living room. This is why I'm sitting in a chair. Normally, I'm, I'm standing up, and, and my wife is actually impressed because for the entire month, I have actually been able to sit in the chair, which any of you who know me and know how I speak when I get excited and stuff, I, I move, and, and so this was a challenge for me to stay seated. Um, but don't worry, next week, it'll all go back to normal, and you'll have me running around here acting all crazy again. So, so no worries there. Uh, but as we focus on this Christmas Sunday, I know it's a little odd because Christmas was on Tuesday. But this is the Sunday that we celebrate Christmas, and this is the Sunday where we look and we praise God for all that he has done. For the birth of his son into this world. And so with that, we're going to look at something a little bit unique this Sunday. Now, to preface all this, I must say, I, I love my mother. She listens to the recordings, so I have to butter her up a bit. Um, I, I love my mother. I truly do. She is a strong, godly woman who has tried hard over her entire life to raise four children who test her patience always. We still test her patience and now we have grandchildren who test her patience as well, so we just multiply it. Uh, but she, she is a strong, godly woman who, who has tried to teach us everything. And, you know, there is one thing that I struggled with as a child, one thing that she absolutely hated. I would come in from outside, and I'd look around, and the rugs would be off the floor, and I would see a, a little shimmer on the floors as if they were probably wet. And me, being a smart 12-year-old boy as I am, would say, oh, well, I'll just quickly run to my room and take my shoes off. So I'd trot through all the floors and then get into my room, take my shoes off, and put them in the closet. Not realizing the trail of mud that I would leave all over her freshly mopped floors. If you want to make my mom mad, undo what she just did 
and I guarantee you she'll be all over you. I struggled with that so much, and she constantly was on me. Pay attention, pay attention. Did you not see the floors? Did you not see the rugs off? Yeah, I saw, but I just figured I'd run quick to my room and it would be okay. Well, guess what? Grab the broom and the mop. You get to fix what you just did. She, she worked on that for a very good reason, because life is full of those moments where we walk on wet floors. And, and we have to be careful with that. And, and if I couldn't perceive that those floors were wet and me walking on them with my shoes was going to cause a mess, there's a lot of other things in life that were also going to happen the same way that I would cause issues with, that would leave a mess behind me if I wasn't paying attention. I don't think, though, that this problem is just isolated to 12-year-old boys. We all struggle with this, especially as children. You know, my, my children still don't perceive all the actions that they do. Elizabeth cannot get it in her head that when she pushes her brother and he falls down, that it's somehow her fault. And even these days, we still struggle with that. We're trying to back out of a parking spot, and we don't see that car that came down the the road, or we open a box of crackers only to discover that there's already a box open. You know, just those little things. Well, with this Christmas Sunday, and as we look to the manger, and we look at all that God has done, I want us to just stop seeing. I want us to move beyond that and to begin perceiving perceiving the difference that is made, because there was a revelation of hope that came, a revelation of something different, something amazing happened, and there was this child that would change so much. But if we only see it, we will miss it. And so, we need to realize this revelation hope, the impact that it has in our lives. But in order to do that, we have to stop seeing and we have to begin perceiving. I ask that you please turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52 today. We're moving a little bit forward from the manger time because while this is a significant moment, the birth of Christ, it's easy to perceive special events when they are happening. It's easy to perceive what is going on when miracles surround it. But what happens when everything becomes mundane? What happens when everyday life rolls back into our existence? That is when the real challenge comes for us. And and that's what happened with Mary and Joseph. In this time, we have them going to Jerusalem for one of the three yearly sacrifice celebrations— And if you were at Christmas Eve service, you would have heard me already say this. Uh, Normally, Jerusalem held about 30,000 people. Fairly significant amount. But during these celebrations, that would increase to 200 to 300,000 people visiting the city. To say that they were chaotic and busy is an understatement. I cannot imagine that many people crammed into that much space moving about, celebrating, having parties, offering sacrifices, all this fun stuff. And this is where we have Jesus and his parents. 
Now, Jesus is at a very significant time in his life. He is 12 years old. Now, for many 12-year-olds, yeah, you're still a child. But in this time, for Jewish boys especially, the age 12 was very significant. That was when they became accountable for God's law. That is what we have been calling it for years now, bar mitzvah. If you are familiar with any Jewish tradition, and that's when the, the boy will take classes. He will learn all the, the law of Moses, and, and then he'll have to recite that, and they throw a celebration, and he becomes, in their culture, a man who is accountable and must uphold the word of God. So for Jesus, he is now at this time where he is on the cusp of having to take on that accountability. And so we get this very unique picture of Jesus, the Messiah, becoming accountable for God's word, living with human parents, and having to find this balance of life. So I ask that if you are able to, that you please stand with me as we read Luke chapter 2, verses 41 through 52 today. It says, Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went on a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to the child, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of God for the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, as we enter into this time where we discuss your word and we look at Jesus as a young boy and, and all the challenges that he faced and, and this stark revelation of seeing versus perceiving and the hope that he was bringing, I pray that you may speak to our hearts today. Help us to move beyond seeing and to begin perceiving what this means in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, with this story, we have that stark contrast between seeing and perceiving. Now, with Mary and Joseph, this is a, a parent's worst nightmare, right? I mean, you lose your child, and you don't know where they're at, and, and now you have to go back and you have to comb through the city of 200,000 and 300,000 people. I'll give them a break here. I'll, I'll be very generous to Mary and Joseph because, one— I was that child who wandered off when I was younger. 
and two, I have yet to ever experience my child running off on me, and I pray that I never have to, because I cannot imagine the fear that you have when all of a sudden you look and they're not there anymore. Besides the fact that the text really gives us a a great reason for this, Uh, as was custom in the day, they traveled in large groups, safety in numbers. And so they, with all their relatives and friends, were traveling from Jerusalem back to their hometown. And so it was quite easy to just assume, oh, Jesus is out with uh, so-and-so. He's out with the aunt or uncle or, or his cousins, or he's just playing around. And I have to imagine that this is where the movie Home Alone got their reenactment from. You know, when Kevin's mom and dad are on the airplane and they're going, I feel like I'm missing something. No, no, we packed that, we packed that. And then all they realize, oh, Kevin, we left him. I can imagine Mary and Joseph sitting around the campfire as they unwind for the first day of travel. And then they're thinking, man, I feel like, have we seen that? And then all of a sudden Mary's face goes pale. We forgot Jesus! Okay, well, maybe not that dramatic, but I I could imagine that they were frantic, to say the least. And so they hurry back, they run through Jerusalem, and it takes them an entire day. They went a day's journey, so that's one day. Then they have to journey back, and then they spend an entire day looking for him. Can you imagine not knowing where your child's at for three days? That would be nerve-wracking. And so, of course, then they finally find him at the temple, and they do as any good parent, and yell at him. What are you doing? Why did you leave us? What are you thinking? Out of love, of course. I mean, all parents yell at their children out of love, especially when they do stuff like that. You just say, oh, what what are you doing? What are you thinking? I love you. Why would you run away? And so they come upon him, And they're so bogged down, they're so confused and disoriented and distraught by what is happening with their life, so caught up in the mundane of what it was, that they miss the entire scene that was happening around them. They don't just come upon Jesus playing with other children. They don't come upon him vandalizing some building or off just, you know, playing around He's in the temple talking to these teachers and asking them questions and giving them answers. This is not what a normal 12-year-old boy would do. Trust me, I was one once, and I know I would probably be out just playing. In fact, that's what got me in trouble with my mom in the first place when she lost me in mire. Much smaller than Jerusalem and much less people as well. Uh, but I, I wanted to play, so I was running up and down the toys aisle, finding all the cool stuff to look for, and she had no clue. Twelve-year-old boys don't surround themselves with teachers of God's law and ask questions and search for understanding, and yet they rush up on him, and they confront him, and they miss the significance of that moment the significance of what he is demonstrating for them and for everyone. Because all they're doing at that moment is seeing with their eyes. They are not perceiving what is happening. Were these not the same parents who had shepherds visit them on the night of his birth? 
saying glory to God in the highest. We had angels come and visit us in the field and tell us that, that the Messiah was born. Were these not the same parents who had Magi come and give him kingly gifts when he was a toddler, saying, we want to worship this king of the Jews? Was this not the same mother and father who had angels visit them and say, you will give birth to the Son of God? Were these not the same parents? And yet, because of the mundane in life, they stopped seeing who Jesus was. And they lost the significance of it. But not Jesus. Now, I've always given Jesus benefit of the doubt here. Because I figured, Son of God, the Messiah, like, he, he was just born perfect and had everything just kind of happen for him. Like, why would, why would he have to work hard at something? Why would he have to try to learn and gain understanding or anything like that? So for me, I, I thought as a child, he must have just, just been like the perfect child. But that is actually not really what is believed. Many, many scholars actually look at this, this struggle, and I, I didn't realize until I searched this out more, this concept of the fact that here Jesus is. He is fully human, fully God. He is coming, and he knows he is the Messiah, but he also knows that he must be an obedient child to his parents. And his parents are trying to live a human life. There are the social pressures that he faced, the expectations of him being a 12-year-old boy in the Jewish culture, the, the pressures of living in a particular town and having to provide for family, learn the father's trade so that he can take on the family business and, and provide money and income, the, the pressures to eventually get married, and, and all these things that he would have to be struggling with. And the fact that he has to be thinking in his mind, I know that I'm supposed to be about my father's business. But I also want to be a good son to my earthly parents. How do I balance both? How do I do both of these? So it must have been actually quite difficult for him at this moment because he had so much he had to figure out on how to honor his parents but honor God. So when the opportunity came, and they visited the temple, he, he seized it, and he said, this is where I need to be. I need to be about my father's business. I need to be in this place so that I can worship him, learn, and grow, and reveal myself to these people as to who I am. He perceived the exact time he could begin this work. And he didn't want things to hold him back. Now, in the end, when his parents find him, he submits to that social norm of, I need to obey my parents, and I need to go with them and, and start listening to them so they don't freak out that I left them again. But all throughout, he looked, and if I can borrow the analogy from before, he saw the wet floors. He saw the rugs that were missing, and, and he perceived that there was something happening. He knew that there was an opportunity to take, and he took it, and he did something with it. Instead of just walking across with his shoes, he did something different. 
Now, for our own lives, as we celebrate this Christmas time as a family, I ask that we might begin moving beyond just seeing. Moving beyond just seeing the rugs, seeing the wet floor, and actually perceiving what is different. Doing something with that knowledge so that we can make an actual good choice with it. I want us to begin perceiving what God is doing in our lives. I want us to begin perceiving the people around us. So often it is easy to go throughout this life, to, to go day after day and just see people pass by and do nothing about it. Do, do nothing about what we are seeing. We just keep walking on those wet floors. Of course, this is the trick for our lives because everything falls into a pattern. We get the mundane. We get the usual. I've been saying to my family and my in-laws as we celebrate Christmas, I think we're finally getting back to normal. And the month of November and December have just been chaotic, and, and it's been all these different things happening and all this stuff that we've been trying to figure out. And I, man, I think we're getting back to normal. But there's a danger in that. There's a danger in being normal because all of a sudden we lose the pressure to perceive what is happening. It's another Sunday. It's another Monday. It's another Tuesday. It's another Wednesday. And so on and so on. We go throughout our life. Nothing new changing. Nothing new happening. Never looking for something different. Never trying to understand something different. We need to stop that. We need to begin perceiving what our life is doing. And that's my prayer for us today. That we might look and understand. That we wouldn't go a day without seeing Jesus running around us. Because if it gets to a point where we look and we say, hey, where is Jesus? Oh, I think we left him at the temple. We're in trouble. If we go throughout a day and we say, where, I don't know where God's been in my life, start looking around because you probably left him somewhere. You probably weren't seen and doing something about it. And you need to backtrack a bit and go find him again. the response of the people in the temple. Here is a 12-year-old boy. Now, in Jewish tradition, even though you became accountable at the age of 12, teachers were not allowed to become teachers until age 30 or 35, I believe. I still would not qualify to be a teacher, believe it or not. You had to be quite old to actually be a teacher of the law, and here they are standing amazed at the answers he's giving a 12-year-old. He was revealing to them the hope that God was delivering, trying to get them to perceive what is changing. So this is my prayer for us today. This is my prayer and my challenge for all of us. 
move beyond what you see. Stop and pay attention to what is happening in your life. Look at the people around you. Look at the people that you're passing by, the people who's pumping gas next to you, the person who's checking out your groceries, the person who's pulling out of the driveway two doors down. Look at those people. Perceive what is happening. See if there's something that God is doing that you can have a hand in. Because there's the hope that we've been given. All who have accepted Christ, all who have asked forgiveness and have received Him, have seen the revelation of hope that they have in their lives. And I pray that we take that revelation and allow it to change us so that we might help others as well. Tony, if you can um, put some, there's a CD in. Go ahead and uh, turn some music on. Um, as we close out today, I don't know exactly what each of us is facing. I, I get that. I, I don't even know sometimes what I'm facing in life. But there's a revelation of hope that we have access to. That we don't have to go through this world alone. That we don't even have to try to have all the answers. There's a God who has loved us, who has cared for us so much that he was willing to send his son to live life, to learn, to grow, to reveal himself as the Savior for us. To forgive us of the things that we have done, and to empower us to do greater things. And so I want to take a time for those who might need to renew their vision, get a new prescription, take a second look at the floors to make sure they're not wet, to begin perceiving again what God is doing. Or for those who have yet to perceive, who have yet to move beyond just seeing, I want to offer an opportunity to receive this hope that we have, that we share as a family. To move beyond just what is happening and to actually do something with the knowledge to perceive what it is that is going on around us, to perceive the hurts and the heartaches that people have, to perceive the fact that you came to give us hope. You came to be the hope for us. Change us, Father, so that we might be committed to helping others as well. Help us, God, to just not see those wet floors anymore. To not leave the muddy trail in our lives, but to truly, truly see 
and respond just as you did as a young boy. From our mother's womb, you have known us, O God. You call us to follow you through all our days and seek us even when we wander. As we advance in years, clothe us with love that we may grow in grace and find favor in your sight through Jesus Christ. Amen. I now send you into your community to make Christ-like disciples. Go. You are dismissed. And the children have a gift for you guys.